Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. You scintillating, sanguine, sentient beings, you. <laughs> Welcome to the Q&A for today. Um, <laughs> yep. Hope everybody's doing well. Yes. As always, we're going to just jump right in. Can we enlarge the screen? No. I don't know. Just That's all right. Okay. Okay. We have a lot of good questions today. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Shall we start? Yeah, let's start. Are you ready? <laughs> of course. Why not? Okay. The first one's from Roger Smith. And the question is, is it needful to be aware of giving healing energy to another soul? No, but to a personality, another personality, yes, you have to be aware. Soul isn't going to be affected by what energy you're sending, good or bad, another person's soul. They're personally greatly affected by it, though. So we have to be aware of not only the energy, but the quality of the energy we're giving to them. And it's not contaminated with our own personal negativity or projections or anything like that. It, the energy is, is as pure as possible. And in that process, you have to be aware of what happens. It's not, it's not good enough to say, oh, I've got great intent. I'm going to help somebody. No, you have to watch the effect of what you're trying to help them with, how it affects them. And if you're aware of the energy flow between people, one thing you'll notice is that sometimes it just boom, bounces off them, comes right back to you. Now, Daskalos told me one time that during that process, when that happens, try three times. And, but not forcefully. You just send the love. Send, the, send the, the whatever you're sending, whatever heartfelt feeling you're sending. You send them the energy. But read what happens to them. Some people just bounce off like water off a duck's back. Some people may get agitated by the energy. Energy is, some, some people, we get a lot of energy, oh, it just uplifts us. Some people, they get irritated. So you have, we all have to be aware of what our energy is doing to the person. We cannot just be, say, oh, our intent's good and just leave it at that. Um, he goes on to say, he's been told by many psychics that I'm radiating energies to everyone around me. I'm willing to give in compassion, but it's natural to me. The effect of our words, thoughts, and actions. Okay. Hmm. I understood uh, his question in the part of soul, a little bit different way, but anyway, I will answer to your question. Um, the more we cleanse our personalities, the nature of the divine nature, our latent divine nature, will be unfolded. So the more we cleanse our personalities, three bodies, and then automatically uh, our divine nature will be unfolded. Then wherever we go, uh, we kind of um, automatically cleanse the energy of people who we meet or the locality, wherever we go. So as I said, uh, this time uh, meditation, uh, we will be 
able to like a mobile cleaner or heater wherever we go because uh, our energy is very uh, high vibrating and they immediately influence people in the locality. So in this sense, if we become like um, that uh, vibration, we can, uh, without knowing, uh, we cleanse uh, people and the locality. So this is one part, but for the specific, so for the general healing, it is okay, even without being aware by people. But for the specific healing, we definitely need to be known by the, the patient or the person who needs help. That's why we ask permission. Our work has to be consciously done. So based on this acknowledgement and the agreement each other, uh, we provide a healing service because uh, for the specific healing, uh, we work with the Archangel, Holy Spirit and Archangel with that person. And also we cooperate with our own Holy Spirit and Archangel and the uh, Logos, right? So, and also we cooperate with the law of the cause and effect of that person. This is an important part. So we definitely need the person's wish or will to be healed. Otherwise, uh, we can't intervene their own karma. So in this case, we have to be known uh, what we are doing. But at last, the most important thing is uh, what we are doing, healed or cleansed, uh, the more our consciousness, the self-consciousness is developed, we don't care who heals the person or who has done it as the personality because we will know the, the ultimate healer is Logos and the Holy Spirit in us. We are just a conduit of the energy of the, of the source, of the healing energy. So uh, the more we are, our self-consciousness is developed, we will do our healing work humbly and also most effectively and powerfully. So we don't need to be known. <clears throat> Eric has a follow-up question on the uh, planet called Marduk that got destroyed between Mars and Jupiter. And he's referring to something I mentioned before that there are guardians, really of the galaxy we could say, guardians for Earth that will not allow us to destroy ourselves in the way it happened with Marduk. That's true. Dasklos has met with these space beings, extraterrestrials, and they have told him they were not going to allow that to happen on Earth this time. And we've seen many examples of how those nuclear power plants that aren't connected, we just, they shut them down one, two, three. There was a ship showed up out in front of one, uh, one of them, and the next thing, the power goes off. And there's been planes like that that had um, mysterious malfunctions. They can control our electronics stuff very easily. That's not an issue for them. 
And he says, can you explain how they can do that if they're not allowed to interfere with free will? Well, this is an interesting point. Sometimes when things go too far, they have to go ahead and come on out, even though it's not a good result. So I would say in the case of uh, Marduk, it certainly is a message for everyone, not only in the solar system, and our planet's not the only planet that had life on it in the solar system, uh, but for the, the whole galaxy, really, any time a planet destroys itself like that, it's a warning, it's a message, don't go down this path. And it's not that, um, I think a, a, they allowed it to serve a purpose as a warning to what could happen if we go too far. Why they are going to do it now, and, and how is that not interfering with our free will? That's a good question. I don't know that I could really answer it directly. I can't say, though, if, Eric, I know you have a lovely daughter and someone broke in the house and they had the free will to hurt your daughter. Um, would you let them, knowing that they had free will? See, that's, there's something to that. Um, some create enough karma that it becomes necessary to have it manifest out in a, in a, in a horrific way. But um, they are guardians. They are self-realized. They're not going to see. Here's how the deal is. You and I, all of us, if we get involved with somebody, we could, with our free will, influence them in a bad way. But these beings are fully self-realized, super conscious, self-realized beings. So they're not in danger of making a mistake. So whatever they're doing is allowed by the law of cause and effect. So they read the law of cause and effect and they have certain duties in this, in their capacity as guardians of earth. And they are allowed to do things within certain, uh, certain things. Sorry about that. <laughs> certain, certain parameters. Then the finally he says, in other words, how would they stop Putin from launching his nukes on the world? Well, I just said it. They can just turn off the power. They could just un undo their ability to communicate with their weapons. But I don't think you have to worry about Putin launching nukes. But that's another story. Yes. Um, planetary logos, the self-conscious of this planet knows all self-consciousness and all what we are thinking and uh, feeling, it knows uh, each person, all people living on this planet, they, it knows every thought, single thought, every single feeling of each person, they, it knows everything. And of course, uh, Guardians uh, of this planet is working for planetary locus of this planet, right? So they are connected as a self-realized beings, which means uh, whatever Putin or I don't want to mention the, the personal name, but they, they know what world leaders are thinking. They know everything. Then based on this truth, everything will be 
happen. They are almighty. They can do whatever once they decide it, you know, then it can be done. Whatever they have decided, it can be done. Like Atlantis sank in the ocean, just overnight, it happened suddenly. So when it is necessary, ah, nothing can be impossible. So, but at now, right now, what we can do is each one of us living on this planet is also guardians. We are not self-realized yet, but we, in most of us, we have God in us. So let's trust the power of our prayer. And, you know, this is very tricky part. Once, for example, when we met at Putin, if we hate someone who are trying to do something, then we immediately, we energize this negative energy because we get, we, we have, we express anger. So please, let's, as a research of the truth, let's not try to get trapped. Rather than that, think of us, let's think of us as a, one of the guardian of this planet. And let's create completely peaceful image, ideal image, which we expect to this planet. And uh, <laughs> how the divine plan will work, it is beyond our scale, but they are almighty. This is what I can say. This is from Christine. She says, Dear Daniel Anaki, may I ask you for some help on a very difficult topic? What can we do for someone dear to us who is wanting not to live? I mean, seriously, they've tried more than once. Please, any help you can advise would be so dearly appreciated. I don't know what to do. So far, of course, I pray. I send white light bulbs and just try not to show my frustration. I am beside myself with worry and fear, but know that those are not helpful elementals. Just so scary to have to wonder each day what will happen. I don't know what to do. Well, that is a that is a very difficult situation. It's one we faced ourselves. Um, the way, the only way people learn and go forward is by comparison. So, even the self-realized invisible helpers that work on the plane, different planes, they can only work with the person by comparison. You can't force them to do something. You can't just tell them not to do it. You have to show them a better way so that they can choose it themselves. Then it sticks. You know, if they just follow somebody saying, oh, don't do that. Life's good to live and all that stuff. They may change their mind later and say, well, no, I really want. Because all this is driven by elementals. All of this. Um, I don't, you don't mention what the case is or who this person is to you, but it's, no matter what it is, it's driven by a certain set of elementals that they're entertaining. 
and those elementals urge the person to commit suicide. Um, and they can become very powerful. They're very big groups of them. And if somebody really accepts this, it's really tough to get it off of them. But, but the only way we can get it off of them is to show them a better way of living. And you, I can't answer for you because I don't know the particulars of this case, but this person, you know, they're feeling something's wrong, right? Something's really bad enough to kill myself. So you have to show them something, the other side of that, how life is worth living. What's the good in their life? Because everybody, no matter how, who, how much we're suffering, there's always some good in somebody's life. And no matter how much good in their life, there's always some suffering in your life. This is the yin and yang symbol, the black and the white and the white and the black. There's always this combination because we're living in the world's duality. So my answer to you would be just simply to try to, you know, you have to connect with the person, you connect with them. You can't just instruct them, connect with them and, and say, oh, you know, and you just try not to give it from top down. Try to be at the same level with them and say, oh, you know, I think this way and you know, life is beautiful. I don't know in your case, but try that. Try, try, try highlighting the good that's in their life. That would include people because if they commit suicide, um, they deprive themselves from the people and they deprive the people from themselves. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good advice. Yes. Uh, if I were you, I silently observe a person, of course, I observe what is uh, torturing, uh, as he said, elemental, what kind of elemental, or what kind of uh, 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 event or whatever is uh, creating the, the desire to commit suicide. And silently, after observing it silently, then uh, I will try to change this kind of cycle and as the practical method. For example, when if uh, that person is close person to you, then uh, when he or she starts to think about you know this kind of pattern, go in, enter into the loop, but immediately try to change it his or her focus set into other things. Oh, let's go for a walk or let's watch the star or whatever, let's talk and let's have a tea together, for example. So I try to find a practical way to break the pattern of this cycle if I have a chance and if I can do it. And most of uh, the people who are thinking committing suicide is uh, has no power to survive or no power to live. So, which means uh, white light, sending the white light is good. Sending the white light to that person, uh, as he says, never try to instruct him or force them something. Try not to change anything of them. Rather than that, sit or uh, stand beside them and feel them uh, and show sympathy with them. 
of course, cleansing your three bodies, very clean, you know, without being influenced by that energy, just, you know, energetically be with them and slowly, slowly give hope, the light, uh, as much as they can receive each time. It is okay to show the beautiful flower or a nice message or introducing good music or book. In that way, slowly, slowly, not at the same time and then bam, a lot of light. No, just share small light, which as much as they can receive. And until the end, eventually, uh, please instruct them uh, by committing suicide. People, most of people think of after committing suicide, after passing on, all trouble will be disappeared. No, they will still happen. We, we will still have same trouble, more than that. And by committing suicide, we kill our material body, which are given from God. So our material body is holy spiritual. So we should never kill ourselves. Teaching says killing ourselves, same thing to kill others. So we have to know these two truths you know, uh, deeply. And slowly, slowly share these two imp very important truths with the person. No, even committing to say nothing will be changed. More than that, you will show more burden and more struggles at the end. So slowly, slowly, we will guide them and show yourself how life is beautiful with small, even with small things, good food, beautiful uh, scenery, and, and uh, share what life is beautiful. Even just existing here is valuable. So just show yourself, from yourself, show how beautiful, uh, how life is beautiful. And that way, please work on that person. Very slowly, step by step, into the light. Aki made a good point about the <clears throat> flooding them with too much light because it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality of the light you send. If you send too much, you can be uncomfortable for them. Mm -hmm. It's just like if you're trying to help a depressed person, don't take them to a seaside where there's happy families and everybody's all happy. Don't think that's going to help them because you like the thing or it's a bright, positive area. It can make them feel more depressed. So you have to go very slow and adjust your help according to the, their capacity. And the other point I didn't quite finish making with Eric's question about, I said, well, if somebody comes in your house and tries to kill your daughter, you're going to override their free will and stop them. That's because you've been given charge of your daughter. You have responsibility for your daughter. In the same way, these guardians have responsibility for Earth. So they have the ability to do these kind of things for the greater good. It's not about one evil person, uh, you know, will 
doesn't match everybody else's. They have the responsibility for everybody on the planet. So they're going to do what's best for the greater good. Example. <laughs> hmm. What are, here's the next question. What are, why are some organizations using the pentagram upside down? Because they don't know what they're doing. And what does it mean if someone draws this symbol physically onto buildings? Okay, I will just deal with that one first. <clears throat> the pentagram, it really is associated with the five-pointed star. The five-pointed star is the idea of man, heavenly man, perfect man. And it symbolizes if you stand up with your legs apart, your arms at your side, you make a perfect five-pointed star. Now, if you'll notice, I don't have one here to show you, but if you notice, if you draw the outline of the five-pointed star, at the heart of it is an upside-down pentagram. Now, the five-pointed star has a really strong thing. We should visualize that on us because what we do by doing that is to attune with this archetypal image and principle. And it uh, creates an attraction on us. It pulls it up higher. That's why black magicians take the five-pointed star and they turn it upside down. So it's a de-evolution. It's not it's away from the light. That's why they use it that way. So when they put that stuff on buildings, they're just trying to mark it with the negative energy. But like I said, in the five-pointed star, that pentagram at the center it would be what you say is upside down, but it's really not like that so much on the pentagram, but the star for sure. And that's the benefit of this, the uh, six-pointed star. The six-pointed star, you can turn it any which way and it's still a six-pointed star. It's not like it reverses if you turn the six-pointed star upside down. It's still a six-pointed star. Um, are people attempting to draw living energies away from others, the daily bread? And for what purpose? What's your understanding? Oh, yeah, people are doing it consciously, but most of the people we meet are doing it, would be doing it subconsciously. If you meet some of these people, people call them energy vampires, or they, they just kind of stick on you and they draw your energy. And they why do they do it? Because they're needy. They don't have enough of their own. They're not drawing their own energy, so they have to draw it from others. So it's um, it's, it's from a needy place. And it's like I said, there's a lot of people, they have no idea they're doing it. But they'll come up and after they leave, you, you're done talking to them, you want to go take a nap because they drew so much off. And here's the issue with it. Until we become conscious, energy moves from who has the most to the least. If we become conscious, we don't have to let that happen. But in general, when someone comes around you, if they don't have enough energy, automatically it draws from you. Daskos was always telling us to be mindful of this. Well, you know, he didn't say mindful, but, you know, to be observant of this effect. And sometimes when it gets too strong, when there's too much strain from you, that's when all the disagreements and you just can't stand the person and it's, it's they're drawing too much. They're, they're, they really are harming you. You feel like they're harming you. And they are to some degree. They're taking this energy from you, not because you're giving it, it's because they're taking it magnetically. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what he said. All the, all the troubles between people happen when the energy thing becomes unbalanced. You know, if you have plenty and somebody needs it, you give it, fine, okay. But just to have it drawn off of you without your conscious uh, choice, it's not a good thing for either person. Mm -hmm. Yep. As he says, uh, five-pointed star 
is the symbol of archetypal idea of human being. So, which means that this is our kind of goal to reach as a human being, perfect shape as a human being. Which means, so the upside down, if I pointed star, mean uh, represents the, the negative energy, the force of shadow or darkness. So we have to be careful ourselves too. We are on the development of uh, towards perfect five-pointed star, right? So if we go, uh, um, how can I say, uh, being attracted by too much materialism or uh, um, negative energies, our own five-pointed star is, is upside down. So we have to go our own five-pointed star upward. That's why we have exercises uh, of the to create a five-pointed star around our body as the protection because this is the ideal goal ahead of us. So please uh, practice to create a five-pointed star around your body, white one, filled with white light in our body, and then that's going to work wherever you go. And one more advice. Uh, it says, what does it mean if someone draws the symbol physically into buildings? Uh, all symbol has the meaning and the energy behind it. So if you see this kind of negative symbol or uh, energy, just fill yourself with white light, tremendous bright white light, and boom, spread entire area. Or even the symbol, when you see it, boom, send the light. And after filling your body with pure white light, that's going to and spread it entire area with your best concentration. That's going to work. This is from Daniela. Hi, Daniela. Please share Daskalos and your thoughts regarding Jesus's prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me. Sometimes I feel good using it. I am very grateful for the last two meditations, the second coming of Christ and the healing with Christ's light. I was experiencing the light and the grace, but the meditation gave me structure, understanding, and depth. Hopefully one day I can be more helpful to for ones in need. The constant prayer condition is getting more and more realized and stays with me all my normal daily activities. Well, that's that's beautiful. I'm glad to hear this. This is this is great. Yeah, this the Son of God, uh, Lord God, have mercy upon me. That's you know it's in Aramaic it's Keely Erickson something like that. Have mercy on us. He's the Lord of mercy. God, that's the nature of God, mercy. Okay, so we're asked, we're trying to invoke it on us. But when Christ gave this, he also gave another thing that's not known in the outer world, but Daskalos taught us, that he taught his disciples to when they say the prayer. Now, you're asking for mercy for what? Generally, maybe, okay. But maybe it's a condition. Maybe you're suffering in some way and you're asking for mercy. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's mental. 
Maybe it's all three, probably all three. So you're asking for God to have mercy on you. And he says the way Christ taught it was that when you say the prayer, have mercy on me, you visualize what you need. That makes it super powerful. That really empowers that prayer. So keep that in mind that when you're doing that, see the outcome you want. You know, visualization is one of the most important of the five golden keys. This is how we use it. And we also have another prayer that uh, we make, which is like, it's sort of the same, but it's different in the regard that we're requesting direct communion, I would say, direct communion. We say, uh, Lord God, come and dwell in me. Clean me from my blemishes. Clean me from any stain and save me, O merciful one. And again, you can have a visualization of what what you want. Maybe it's not a physical thing. Maybe it's just you see yourself full of light and God in you, expressing himself through you. That's a beautiful one. Um, Yeah. Yes. Prayer has lots of power. That's why we make prayer whenever we start uh, healing work or exercise or whatever. We always start with prayer because prayer, when we recite the prayer, uh, we can uh, uplift our the vibration of our present personality to your inner self, divine self. So it's just like when we start to recite a prayer, just imagine yourself vibrating higher and higher and higher to reach inmost of you, God. So as Daniel said a little bit, when we recite a prayer, please uh, consciously, rhythmically, Breathe. We need a aesthetic vitality. And recite the prayer, visualizing the meaning of the word. Please do not recite the prayer, uh, just words. It doesn't create much power. But just visualize the deep meaning of the word and recite it rhythmically with your breathing. That's going to be the most powerful prayer. And it's going to happen in you as you visualize. Just a second. Um, yeah, it's okay. I. Um, Yep. Uh, another question, oh, Daniel. Oh, I'm getting ready to ask. Yeah, I think uh, we should go back. Uh, you have uh, another second. Oh, this, I just printed this. I'm just going to go with Daniel right now. <laughs> okay, then let's. Uh, no, we have the same one. So let's uh, answer to Daniel and go back. Uh, we have more questions in between. 
Daniela is also asking, what is an appropriate reaction to disturbing events all over the world? My understanding is that if it's happening, it's allowed to happen. I feel heavy and sad, but try to stay calm, pray and send love, light and comfort in my meditations, conversations with friends and in my psychological drawings. I have the feeling that for the people around me, my calm reaction and not involving the drama is strange. Am I doing something wrong? No, you're doing something very right. And it doesn't matter if they don't understand what you're doing. You're having a positive effect on those that are around you, for sure. And this is the way we should go through it. We want, you know, the world is getting chaotic and it's going to get even more chaotic. And what we as seekers of truth really should aim for is peace in the midst of chaos. We need to hold peace no matter what's going on around outside of us. And it's so easy to get distracted. Oh, nuclear war, this thing, biological weapons, all that distractions. Know that the media is throwing a massive amount of distractions on us right now for their purposes we won't get into. But just find the place where you can hold peace. And you are absolutely right. This is allowed to happen. And it has to happen. And it's, it's not exactly what we think is happening either. There's a lot of, um, a lot of just lies that are, we are being told from both sides, from every side, actually. And this is where we really have to use observation and discern. Now, some things we can't tell, you know, a human person without connections can't tell what's some of this stuff is, but we can tell one thing. We can tell, we know the teachings. We know what the teachings is. So the teachings are don't inflame those things that are not good. So everybody talking about it, everybody tweeting about it, all the podcasts about it, it's just fueling the whole thing. And yet there is a need, I feel, for us to look through there and add up what they're telling us. Because if you start to add it up, you realize it doesn't always make a lot of sense. So we know that it's, it's like, a, what's, what would be a good example? It's an illusion. There's all these illusionary things being presented as. And the most important thing for us is to keep the connection with the self and walk through it. Whatever it is, whatever comes next, we have to hold that center line and walk through it. There's no other choice for a researcher of truth. We can't go back. We can't go left. We can't run off to the left side. We can't run off to the right side. We have to pick the middle path and walk right through it. Um, okay. We should not show uh, the attitude of indifference to the war or what's going on, or what is happening in the world. We have to be very alert and uh, the good observer of what's happening in the world. So we should not show any no, uh, uninterest to uh, war or the, for the people who are suffering, never. But uh, the most important thing as a research of the truth is to keep peace 
and express the energy of security, safe, and uh, hope. You know, whatever happened, eventually, people are trying to, people are going to find uh, this kind of oasis, the middle point, peace, whatever, uh, how much war or suffering happened. After that, we are trying, to, we all are trying to find the, you know, exit of this chaos. So we need someone, some people who are keeping this exit, besides this exit and showing people, this is the exit, come this way, then we can get out of this chaos. So as a research of truth, let's manifest this kind of peace, love, wisdom to people and to the world. Okay. <clears throat> T says, I started breathing a couple of the breathing coupled with the three suns meditation the last two days. I have been doing walking meditations for three days, and I started the rose visualization yesterday. I'm having a very difficult time visualizing and remembering. It feels as though I'm trying to see something, but not actually seeing anything, if that makes sense. I saw a video where you talked about what light you are using, but the colors and images remain elusive. Visualization is a latent ability of every human being. So is walking. But if you never walk, you never walking and all of a sudden you try to get up and walk, you're not going to walk very good. It's the same thing with visualization. We're just not used to doing it consciously, but we do it subconsciously all the time. I mean, I can say, look, just imagine what's... Um, what's your bedroom looks like? Well, you know, you got a table and bed and you can see that. That's visualization. You have a fantasy. Oh, gee, I'd like to have a Mercedes. I'd be driving around. That's visualization. You're visualizing doing that, but we're doing it subconsciously on mundane things. What we're teaching here is to do it consciously, bring it under your control. And it's just an exercise. You're exercising, let's say, a psychical muscle. Maybe that's not the right example, but it's like a muscle. <laughs> And if you didn't ever move your arm and exercise your arm, you're not going to have the ability to use it right away until you start exercising. So all these visualizations and all these meditations we're giving is just is training that ability. So don't discourage. Most people say, gee, I close my eyes. I can't visualize. I see black. That's all I see. It's okay. It's okay. That's the way it typically starts. And so then sometimes you know, oh, I'm going to imagine, a, I'm going to visualize a five-pointed star, a white five-pointed star around me. So you start to visualize it and you, wow, this doesn't feel real. It feels like my imagination because it is initially, <laughs> but that becomes real. Sometimes it'll just boom, lock mm -hmm. in and you'll see the real archetypal image, clear, perfect, like it was created by a computer. It's so perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes. I would like to suggest you to uh, not to do many different exercises uh, rather than that uh, why don't you focus on one exercise and 
you you try the three sons meditation, right? Then if I were you, I divide you know uh, one whole three sons meditation, just focusing on solar plexus uh, one day, and then try to focus on visualizing sky blue sphere, and uh, mm, if you hear banana, you can see the image of a banana and yellow color, right? If you hear uh, the picture, you can easily visualize, have an image of pizza, right? This way, please simplize, simplize your uh, practice, daily practice. And then uh, please take, um, for example, for the solar plexus, just try to visualize sky blue sphere. That's fine. And uh, concentrate on the image and look at the image for certain for a while and close your eyes and visualize it. And when it's about to disappear in your image, then open your eyes and see the image again on the picture or on the screen and close your eyes again. And if you continue it, it's going to disappear. It, 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 when it it's about to disappear, open your eyes. We repeat this process. Then, and one more advice, never mixed with other images. Once you set up this image for the solar plexus, the sky blue sphere, just keep and use the same color and the same image without mixing with the other image which you have. This is, when we mixed everything, it, we call it the fantasy or imagination. But visualization is we remember, we capture the image and close our eyes and visualize and we store it in our subconsciousness. And next time when we work on it, we bring it up, which we store. And the same image. And we add information on the same image without mixing with others. This is what we call visualization. So step by step, starting with simple one every day for a certain time. If you continue this work, it's gonna be tremendous power. As he said, one day it showed boom. Do you know why? Because this sky blue sphere, the image of the sky blue sphere, the right one, is already made in the subconscious of the universe. It is already. So once we connect, the energy comes in. And then you know what I mean. So until then, please uh, accumulate your daily small effort. Uh, but precisely. And he also, or they also ask, are you supposed to do the breathing throughout the entirety of the 15 minutes of the three sun meditation? I've been trying, and by the time I'm done, the ether is pumping. <laughs> <laughs>
I can feel it from my fingertips all the way through my core, up to my head. And I just want to make sure this is good and safe. Yeah, it's good and safe, but you don't have to consciously do the breathing through the whole 15 minutes. You want to set the pattern, and then the Holy Spirit just tends to uh, keep that pattern going for you automatically while you concentrate on the visualizations. And uh, yeah, it's safe. I mean, there are you can flood too much up too soon, and it make, can make you a little dizzy, but it's not going to harm you unless you release the kundalini. That could harm you. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. Oh, when it's good, you know, etheric double, you can feel uh, etheric vitality in your etheric double tangibly. That's a good sign. But once you can feel it tangibly, very clearly, using willpower, please control it. Please control your uh, aesthetic ether. We have been practicing, you know, three functions of ether again and again and again. But they use your willpower and practice to control if your aesthetic double is pumping. Okay, calm it down. Place it under your control. This is one of the practice of us. And after calming it, uh, controlling it, if we want to do the another exercise, we don't need to focus on uh, breathing all through the exercise. Because once we create a conscious, uh, relaxed, uh, rhythmical breathing, the Holy Spirit and Archangels in our body already notice and know what we are trying to do. So whenever we change the shift, the focus on the exercise which we are going to, they are going to support naturally. They know all what we are doing. So like this way, first control the aesthetic vitality flow in you using the willpower and consciously, again, using willpower, enjoy, go deeper into your exercise. John is asking, did Dasclos ever talk about the rainbow body? Mm. Um, rainbow body. I wish you were in the chat. Maybe you are. Uh, if you could explain what you mean by the rainbow body, I could maybe answer that. The second question is, did Dasclos ever talk about ascension? Again, what do you mean by ascension? You're, what do you think when you say ascension? But Dasclos always, he talked about the light bodies, you know, the, the etheric bodies around the, each of the, material, psychical, and noetical body, and they have coloration. So I presume that's what you're talking about, the rainbow body. But the ascension, he's always talking about the ascension. The whole process of the researchers of truth is ascension. From where? To where? From wherever you are right now to your true inner nature, your soul self. Sometimes we call it the inner self. And the inner self is really... The soul self, you can say it's divided in a sense. One is pure beingness, not in the worlds of existence. That's the pure soul. But it has an expression in the worlds of existence. And that part, Daskal is called the permanent personality, and most people are calling the inner self. Um, 
So then, and all that's part of the, the next question is, can you share the nature of the teachings of the inner and innermost circles? Wow, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> the whole process, I mean, we, we are sharing some of the inner and innermost circle teachings. We sprinkle it in the outer circle teaching. Uh, Daskalos had four circle levels, the outer circle, inner circle, inner more circle, and the innermost circle. So uh, all three of these are have everything to do about ascension. And it's, it's sort of like this, you know, if you, you want to study physics, you're going to study physics. And the first thing you're going to learn is that every, all matter is created of atoms. Okay, that's like an outer circle teaching. Then you said go to the inner circle. Well, okay, let's let's talk about what the atom is. And then they teach about the neutron and the orbiting electrons and the charge and all that stuff. That would be more like the inner circle. But then you say, well, okay, well, let's talk about subatomic. Well, that's more like the inner more circle. So the subatomic, um, you know, you're talking about quarks and all those strange things that come off of the atoms when they're smashed. And it keeps going like this. So there's no point of saying much about the, the like, the, the nature of uh, the subatomic particles if you don't even know that what an atom is. And in the same way in these teachings, we have to go slowly and speak the outer teachings because they make like a foundation so that when you hear the, the higher stuff, oh, you've got a place to stand on. It makes sense. It's grounded. If I was to just tell you some of the stuff of the outer self, uh, uh, the most inner part of the teaching, it wouldn't make any sense to you unless you've progressed certain degrees through the, through the levels of the teaching. Um, are they still accessible since Daskalos left his body? Yes. Daskalos was so prolific. He wrote and recorded and all kinds of stuff. He was always teaching virtually. And so these have been preserved. And there are three places on earth that they exist. And one of them, of course, is in the hands of this daughter on Cyprus. Another one's in Germany. And another one's here in America. So we have all of them. There's nothing missing in all since he's left. And he continues to help us from the other side. You may not be aware of his help, but if you're really seriously a researcher of truth, you can get help. Maybe you won't notice you're getting it, but you can get help from Daskos. He may have left his body, but he hasn't gone anywhere. Okay. I think that the rainbow body is the Tibetan Buddhism and the Tibetan Buddhists when they you know, they realized and achieved that their body radiated like a rainbow. It's called a rainbow body. Yeah, I am just have you ever heard that? I have not studied that. I've heard them mention it, but okay. I have not studied it. And I okay. Oh, John, uh, if I'm correct, uh, I don't know if I'm correct or not. I understand that your what you mean, the rainbow body is the, the Tibetan Buddh Buddhist uh, after. Exercising some kind of meditation or deep states, and when they reach their body, radiate a rainbow color. This is how I understand your uh, word, the rainbow body. I understand uh, this condition, they are self realized. And I think it's, it means all about this symbol of life behind us. Can you see it? Uh, it has, uh, it's a 
the symbol of the archetype, the perfect archetype. And it has, as you can observe, it has all covers. And once we completed this kind of structure, then it started because it's made of light. So it starts in every color harmoniously like a rainbow. This is how I can answer to your question. In our teaching system, it's the symbol of life, complete, completed the symbol of life. So when we self-realize that this shape is perfectly shaped, we will have this structure in a perfect way with perfect color, looks like a rainbow. And uh, the second one, Ascension. Yes, he mentioned about that. I, my answer is the same with him. And the third one, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, the circle is a physical circle only in this dimension. Uh, in the other dimension, we have studying circles and uh, uh, kind of gathering of school. <laughs> so it's not only in this dimension. And it's preserved, guided perfectly. This is how I see. Christina is asking if there are specific exercises we can do each day or night to send powerful, helpful elementals to areas in need, like the Ukraine and Australia. That's mm -hmm. close focus, something being done at night at 9 p.m. by all researchers. Could you give some guidance on that? Sure, this is not just a Daskalos thing. There's a great number of spiritual workers who are working on this very same exercise, and they have since. I first came across it in the 80s, so it's been around for a long time. And Daskalos gives it too. And, and basically what it is, is you, you want to get a clear idea of the area you want to project it to. So Google Map would be great if you Google it before you do the exercise. And then you just meditate and get in a good, quiet space and then visualize the world or the area being flooded by pink, whitish light, beautiful, radiant pink, whitish light, and implant in that visualization the wish that men stop fighting or that balance and harmony return to any location. Uh, sometimes in this, we would, if we were doing it for specific areas, we would visualize uh, the people putting down their guns, dropping their guns and embracing each other, the, the opposite sides embracing each other. And Daskalos worked very hard. There was an issue on Cyprus where the Greeks, had, I mean, the Turks had invaded Greek and pushed the Greeks to the south and the Turks had the north and then they were killing them and they, the UN had to make a... <coughs> make a, a line there, uh, a neutral zone. And one day it was decided that uh, the Christian priests were gonna go into that neutral zone and the Muslims clerics were gonna come out and they were gonna meet in that neutral zone. Wow, the papers got so excited because they were thinking this, this is, they're right next door to Beirut where this kind of thing happened, it destroyed everybody. So the newspapers thinking they're gonna get a great story. And so they, they all get excited and they go there with all the cameras and everything. And they go in and Daskalos in his innermost circle had been working very hard visualizing these guys going together and hugging each other. 
pink light going together and hugging each other, nothing else, right? So the reporters are there and the Muslims come in and, and the priests come in. And when they see each other, they rush and they, they embrace each other. And the press was so disappointed. They had no story. <laughs> but the outcome, it, it did produce the outcome. And Dasko said he and his innermost circle, people worked on the Berlin Wall coming down too by the same method. So it's very powerful and it does work. Now, the one that's generally done is you see like pink lights start to cover the earth, just cover the earth for everybody if you don't have a specific place you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. So the fact that everybody does it at 9 p.m. in their own time zone, it's like this great wave of rosy pink healing light circles the planet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, do you, you want to say something? Of course. Okay, I thought you didn't have one. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, so, if we hear the nuclear bomb, uh, please don't create a, the image of a nuclear bomb. Or please mm. don't create a, the mm -hmm. disastrous image. As he says, please create the whitish pink light or a golden light with reason or white light for harmony and people are smiling and joyfully uh, hugging and uh, doing something together. This is how we have to work. And this is the work of the researchers of troops. So please, it's important to collect the, the informations, but please don't be overwhelmed by fear or anxiety or dark image. When we visualize it, the, the moment when we visualize it, we energize it. So we have to be very uh, wise. And we have to know the power of the visualization. Now, I already uh, released uh, peace meditation for entire planet called Sakra, Sakra, Peace on Earth. Please take a look uh, at an archive. And the esoteric practice, we have an exercise which he mentioned uh, on page 118. It's beautiful meditation, the priest try. And uh, now I'm working on new uh, meditation to create a peace energy for Earth, it's coming on the next uh, Patreon meditation. So please try if you like. Okay. Well, our Brazilian brother Gustavo has <laughs> asked the million dollar question. This is a very, very good question. Please elaborate mm. on the difference between mm. self-consciousness and self-awareness. These mean the same in Portuguese, so any examples would be excellent. Okay, at the mundane level, when you say I'm aware, you got to be aware of something, or you got to be conscious of something. Those words are pretty much interchangeable. But in this system, we we try to distinguish between the two. But the important part here is he's added self to consciousness and self to awareness. So what's self consciousness? 
self-consciousness at any level from you know primitive man to enlightened man is nothing more than how the self uses the mind uses the mind in doing what in creating emotion thoughts ideas motivations this is what creates our self-consciousness so we raise our self-consciousness because there's five levels we have to go through we have to raise our consciousness and since we that's the self it's self-consciousness we're raising it so it has to go through five levels for a human being and that those five levels are instinctual consciousness that's the caveman they're just surviving like animals you know next subconscious phase that's the phase that the vast majority of humanity is in now and it's the it's the phase where you have the most in number of incarnations after this phase it has many levels of subconscious more really subconscious or not so much subconscious but there's levels to it so when you end the same thing with instinctual consciousness so when you get to the next level, which is conscious, uh, let's say, awakening consciousness, because again, it's many levels. It's not like you hit it and all of a sudden you're awake. You start to wake up. And what do you find when you start to wake up? You find out how everybody around you is asleep, or most people around you will be asleep. That's the first thing you discover. The second thing you discover is how, how you've been asleep, how you've been in ignorance. Those are the first things. But anyway, we move through the awakening phase. Then we reach the superconscious phase. And again, there's many levels in there as we develop the super senses. It goes all the way until you finally reach self-superconsciousness. So those are the five levels. And there is self-superconsciousness is bestowed upon you once you complete the superconscious, going through the superconscious level. Then it's immediately bestowed on you. And that's self-realization. That's Christ consciousness. That's the ultimate enlightenment. Enlightenment, the word just means, you know, a clear breakthrough into the nature of reality. So the highest one is a clear breakthrough into the nature of self. Because if you do that, you understand what God is, too. Um, now, awareness, there are no levels to it. But there are a great number of degrees of expression of that self-awareness. A little aware of themselves or just completely, you know, most people are just living... 80% of their lives subconsciously. So there's not, and there's not a lot of self-awareness in it. And the other thing, these are two ladders that we ascend towards self-realization. <laughs> and I'm supporting no, it. That's good. Go that's good. I'm just trying to remember. Where I'm. So we have to ascend both of these ladders, but don't think that we ascend them like this. We may jump up a couple levels in self-consciousness, but self-awareness is very low. And this is how we get the evil geniuses. They develop their consciousness real big. They can do a lot, know a lot, but they haven't developed their awareness of themselves. So they don't really have, they don't understand who they are or who everybody is, or they wouldn't use their consciousness to harm them by creating all the things they create. We'll just say that. So we're constantly ascending these two ladders. And it's a good introspection exercise to say, where am I on these ladders? How self-conscious am I? Am I awakened? Am I awakening? Find yourself. Find where you are. Where is your self-awareness? So self-consciousness is how the self is using the mind. Self-awareness is how aware you are of yourself. And Daskalos was always saying, you can do these things very consciously, but you're not doing them self-consciously yet because you haven't discovered the self. You haven't become deeply aware of the self. 
So that's the two. That's a, that's a very good question. Mm, yes. And also one that, uh, I mean, Daskal said, you takes a lot of meditation to understand the difference between these two. Akita? Mm. I just would like to explain it the more simpler way. Um, first of all, we have to know the difference between consciousness and self-awareness. The consciousness is, for example, consciousness is mm, to orient or focus on something or ourselves on something and receive the impression or do something focusing on that. Orient ourselves to the object of which we are focusing on and do something or receive that impression. This is called consciousness, if I explain it simply. But self-awareness is, uh, maybe you can explain it, self-awareness, who am I, who am I, who am I? Think, know of our eyes. We have many levels of eyes. No, the, the ultimately it's a God, as eyes as God. But we have a self-awareness as the present-day personality, and the degree of self-awareness is more and more expand, and uh, eventually reach to the self-awareness as God, eyes, uh, right? So, please think about your daily life. Whatever you do, you know, you do something, you know, we do something, right? This is what we are using, consciousness, focusing on something, orient ourselves something, receiving an impression, working on, this is all consciousness. But self-awareness is what are we, what we are, you know? Okay, then. At the beginning, as Daniel said, we do everything subconsciously. Well, before that, the instinctively, but the slowly, subconsciously, we do something. Most of us doing our daily life, you know, are subconscious, right? But the slowly, slowly, we realize what we yeah, are. We meditate on ourselves. Oh, okay, I'm doing this, but which I am doing? Then slowly, slowly, we expand this I and higher. So ultimately, we do or we some do something as good, highness. So can you understand the, the difference between consciousness and the self-awareness? But at the beginning, we don't use, we don't realize, oh, I am doing this. But slowly, we just express ourselves, present starting with present day personality, and do something. This is self-consciousness. And this level, or awareness, uh, degree, is more, getting more and more higher until we reach uh, divine consciousness, self-awareness. I hope you can understand. <laughs> it's very good question. Everybody, this question. Thank you for mentioning that. Christine asks, this is an odd one, and feel free to skip it if there's no time. I kind of like this question. I sometimes wonder about the concept of egoism and the concept of dressing up. 
putting on makeup, heels, to look good for the day. If we're just on a nice, colorful, if we're just putting on nice, colorful clothes of ourselves because we like that or some colorful makeup for fun, is that okay? <laughs> Does it depend on our intention? Are spiritual people never supposed to dress up because that's just the concept of egoism? I wondered this a lot of times for many years. I know it sounds silly, but I hope you understand what I mean. Yeah, that, I think it's a very good question, really. <laughs> See, it is the, it, it depends upon your intention, really. If you're dressing up just to show yourself, you put on your, hey, look at me dress, and, and you go out in front of people and try to show yourself, that's egotism for sure. No doubt about it. Then there's lots of degrees. Maybe you don't do it that strongly, but you do it. But here's the thing I want to bring up. In Zen, Zen masters, they have the skill of rolling up their sleeve without showing their arm. Think about that. What that means, rolling up your sleeve without showing your arm. Well, it, it means that they roll up their sleeve, but they're not trying to show everybody how good of an arm they got or something. There's no egotism in it. They're just rolling up their sleeve. And there's nothing wrong with putting on nice clothing and everything. Uh, you know, sort of like, you know, you're only as pretty as you feel. So really, you should go for the feeling part first. And really, we so, spend so much time on clothes and dressing up and stuff. Well, we're dressing our psychical body in the same way with our feelings, our desires, our motivations. We're dressing our noetical body with our intentions and our thoughts. So we should really pay really more attention, obviously, to dressing up those bodies than the material body. So again, the, the, the bottom line is it depends on your intention. If you're trying to show yourself to other people so you your egotism gets stroked, then it's probably not a good idea to do that. Yes, Christy, Christy. I think I feel uh, pursuing beauty, how uh, pursuing beauty is very important and we should enjoy this kind of pursuing uh, beauty to create to feel something beautiful it's very important essence and the pursuing beauty is our I think it's a divine nature or divine nature because because ultimately, we feel beauty for harmony in the universes. As Daniel said, mentioned a little bit, um, at the beginning, we might care just how we look nice or you know, uh, we just care about our appearance just for ourselves. But slowly, slowly, you know, if we stuck in this level all the time, there's no revolution, evolution. But uh, as long as we share this pursuing beauty or sharing some good, uh, good thing with other people or give some good gift, according to the development of our self-consciousness, we, our focus of pursuing beauty will be buried, will be changed. As he says, at the beginning, we might focus and just focus on our physical appearance, but slowly, slowly, hmm, we might 
be able to focus on the beauty of our psychical body, how we feel, how we think. And we like to feel beauty uh, in nature or eventually how the, the universes are going on or how the planet is going on, landscapes were, you know. We will expand this kind of uh, sense of beauty according to the development of our self-consciousness. So it's just like love. And we pursue ultimate divine love, right? And the, the meaning and the definition of ultimate love is different with our personal love. But we slowly, slowly learn and they step up the, the, the ladder of this, uh, of the meaning of the love. Same thing, so the pursuing beauty. Beauty is important. But please expand this uh, hmm, seeking beauty in higher, higher level. I also want to say to that question, Christine, that it's also about what's appropriate for the situation. You know, if you go home from work, you have to wait till, and you live in an apartment, you have to wait till you get up to your apartment before you can take off your clothes and relax, right? You can't do it in the lobby of the apartment, you have, uh, of the apartment building. You have to do it in the appropriate place. When I first met Dasklos, I, I was in a room and I didn't know he was in the room. I mean, I knew he was in the room, but I didn't know who he was with all these people in the room. And I'm looking around trying to find him. And all of a sudden he comes up from me from this side and I look and he's wearing like cloth house slippers. <laughs> His pants are so old that they shined. And he had mm. a BVD t-shirt on, you know, like a wife beater t-shirt. He hadn't shaved for days. And it was like, that's him. I mean, I, I didn't even recognize when I looked at him, I didn't think that was him because he looked so rough. Right. But then when he came to New York, he comes out on the stage in a nice suit and a tie. So it's sort of like appropriate. What's appropriate for the condition in terms of physical dress, but Aki's right. We should go for the higher beauty. Yeah. Thomas asked a question here that I really relate to. For a long time, I've wanted to connect with Jesus or Joshua, the Christ, and be close to him. But I still feel like he's a stranger. I'd like to know who he is to me. A brother? A savior? I'm still under unclear what he's done for humankind. I know he's credited by Christianity as someone who suffered for our sin. And according to my faith tradition, all our sorrows and sicknesses too. Like the prodigal son, I feel the longing to return home, but I feel like it's so foreign to me. Christ said, I am in you, you are in me. What's that mean? And we are in God. What's that mean? Well, in our teachings, we have a teaching about the, com the common selfhood, which Christ is the common selfhood, and that all of us are but particles, rays of light coming from this common selfhood. Okay? 
the trouble is those rays, when they get incarnated, we start covering them up with unclean desires, negative thoughts, negative emotions. So that light doesn't shine. And to the personality self, which is the sum total of the created thoughts and feelings and desires, can't see it, nor can it get out of that person if it's covered heavily. So the more you clean yourself, the more you, this light comes out of you, and the more you're aware of the light in you. So this ray is in each of us. He is us. He's that light in us. It's, what did St. John say? What did Johannes say? First part of his, his gospel, he wrote this because he wanted everybody to be clear what Christ is. Christ is the life. And in that life, he's the light of every man coming to the world today. Not Christians, every man coming to the world. That means everybody who has been incarnated, everybody's incarnated now, and everybody who will be incarnated. So he is us. But right now, you know, he's been presented as this by Christianity, the way they present him, which is not us. It's something we have to, you know, pray to and, and ask for help from. But he is in us. He is closer to us than the fish is closest to the water. I mean, it's just like that. The fish is in the water, and we, <laughs> God is in so us. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, they say he's credited for suffering for our sins. Sure, for sure. And, you know, he was, he didn't do anything wrong, and they did to him whatever they wanted to. And it's, um, but it's a mistake. For people to think, and I've heard Christians say this, oh, well, he's, you know, all I ask have to do is say I accept Christ and all my sins are forgiven. That ain't the way it works. It's just not that way. What he does do, though, is take 90% of the karmic weight of those sins onto his own shoulders. But he allows 10% to be left to the individual to work it out. Why not take all of it? Well, because if he took all of it, we would just recreate the mistake again. So we have to have this. We have a certain little responsibility in working this, these things out ourselves. So we learn the lessons. It's nothing more than about learning and going ascending higher and higher and higher and higher levels of consciousness. But we have to go through experiences to get we get the experiences by going through our life. Things we do, our experiences in life, and that gives us the experience that helps us raise our consciousness. So he can't wipe it all off, but he does take 90%. That's what the taking the sins of everybody on his back. And that's the symbol of the cross. He's carrying the cross for humanity. He had no cross. Let's see. And, and this is a beautiful place. I mean, I felt this too. I had exactly the same experience from 20 to 39 when I met Daskaloth. I basically thought of myself as a Hindu because I meditated, I did Hindu practice, I went to India, I did all this stuff because Christianity just didn't resonate with me the way it was being preached. And I thought one day, I remember one day standing thinking, wow, I, I feel this strong connection, all these Hindu gods and gurus and everything, but I don't feel it with Joshua. And then one day, wham, it just comes in and it's just been ever expanding ever since. But it's like we've not really paid attention to him in most of our lives. And maybe we're studying now, but most people's lives, they go through just mundane. It's all about mundane things. They don't look anything higher in themselves or in life. So don't, uh, don't, don't worry. 
just keep walking and trying to understand who who Christ is with Joshua. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an historical person some 2,000 years ago, lived only 33 years of age in a backward country. Okay, that's the historical who he is. But what he is is the Christ principle, mm -hmm. not the personality of Jesus, mm -hmm. but the Christ principle. And that's, we have to distinguish those two things. And I feel like returning home. Connect with that feeling. It'll take you home. Yes. Uh, first of all, we all, we have to update the concept about the, the Jesus Christ. As he says, it's not historical. He, he was, he was existing about 2,000 years ago. But the, as we have God, as a research of truth, we study unmanifested God, absolute beingness, and manifested God, absolute beingness. So, on the top of the symbol of life, we have uh, the God, you know, Kennedy Yale Triangle. And one side you know, has uh, center number two, the Logoic. And then one side is Holy Spiritual, center number three. Then we all have, how can I say, we all are Christ Logos and Holy Spirit. And it's in us. This is the God, the manifested God in us. And Jesus Christ, historical Jesus Christ person, human being, Jesus Christ is manifested as 100% expressing, the person expressing 100% the logoic nature. 100% as God in the human body. So as Daniel said, the principle of the existence, the reason why he was there, we, we have to understand the principle behind his existence first. Then we will know uh, how we can uh, get closer to him in us. So as he says, uh, you know, uh, I am in your, I, I am you. I am in your eyesight. I am in the wind. I am in the light. He is everywhere. We have to know this truth. And we should not see Jesus Christ or Christ Logos as something separating or far away from us. But he's in us and everywhere. So when we are ready to see and feel him, it comes because it's here. But the we are attracted by many, many, many other things or disturbed by our own thoughts and emotions. So it seems it looks like a long way to reach to 
Jesus Christ, but actually he's in us always. So when we wish to go back home, anytime he welcomes us. Great. Uh, Daniel, I think we skip the one of the uh, two, two questions. Somewhere, so. mm, let's check it. Did you, did we answer? <laughs> yeah, various. Did it come out online when I printed it? Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess it is. Oh, yeah, Dante's got a good one too. Okay. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. You're right. Thank you. Sorry, I missed that one. The question is Can you say something about the new era we're moving into as humanity and the impact on consciousness? The impact on consciousness is awakening, it's to awaken our consciousness. That's the, what this movement, that's the process we're going through now. It's kind of going to be rough for a while to shake us up because humanity is heavily buried in sleep and they have to be awakened by a shock or something strong, let's just say. Uh, and so it's a, the awakening consciousness. Now, to those of us studying spirituality, to those enough that know a little bit about what's really going on in the world today, it's going to be a kind of, uh, it's not that we're, we're not going to have some trouble, but we're going to, it's going to be a beautiful thing of awakening. But to somebody asleep, it's going to be a rude awakening. It's going to be like somebody buried asleep in their room in a dark bedroom. And you're going to run in what the world's going to do is they rush in. It's going to open the windows, turn on the lights. And that person's going to have a rude awakening because it's going to come all at once. Uh, those of us that study spirituality and, and, and see some of the dynamics that's happening in the world today in terms of spirituality won't have that shock. And we also have had a lot of time to adjust to these changes that are, have been coming down the road to us, very strong changes. And we've had time to adjust it. But when the people get shaken, when the most of the people get shaken and waken up, they're not going to have very long to think about all this. It's just going to be in their face. So um, the impact is going to be uh, awakening conscious in the new era coming is going to be really glorious. It's going to be, take a little while to get here, but it's on. It's in process now. And I'm sure Akin has something to say about this. <laughs> yes. Now we are on a great threshold, on a great threshold. And uh, in other words, we are in a period of great cleansing. Depends on this, how much we cleanse, uh, the path will be divided. It's already divided, but uh, nothing is too late. So please start cleansing on your own, which means introspection. Great introspection. This is all human being has to do. And then it's already divided. I see, I feel. But 
some people proceeding to write. Some people maybe might not be able to go on this way, but they eventually, and it, it, this great polarity, the period of great polarity will last for a while. We will have to experience many things as event, but it's all under divine plan. We need to go through this period. But please remember, depends on how much we, each one of us cleanse ourselves and how we, what we visualize. Depends on that. We can bury the possible future of this planet and to a certain level. Big blueprint, we can change. But according to big blueprint, we can change small events and the duration or more things, better and better. And eventually, after experiencing the big separation, eventually we will be guided in a proper light according to the development of each one of us. And eventually, that will be fine. We will have the period of light and love. This is how we see. Uh, Dante asks ask a good question. He asks, can or do we pay off karmic debts in our dreams? Uh, well, as Esco said, there are no dreams. But most of what you call dreams are just simply you're interacting with the elementals in your subconsciousness. But it doesn't mean you can't interact with real people, not just the elemental, the people, but you can really interact with the real person if you can get into the real psychical plane. And it does happen. And I can't say that Daskos has ever said the answer to this question, but I can say from my own experiences that once on the inner plane in, in what you would call dream, it was a lucid dream, it wasn't a subconscious dream, I met somebody I was having trouble with. And we embraced and forgave each other in that moment. So in that sense, some karma was released. However, we live in three different worlds, right? The material world, the psychic world, the noetical world. So when we do karma physically, we have to get the physical karma back. So if somebody's, if some you steal from somebody, you can't really work that out in the psychic plane. You have to be here and work it out in the physical plane. You don't have to, you typically would be stolen from at some point in an incarnation, or you can proactively pay it off by giving, start giving to people, and you won't have to be stolen from. But um, in the psychical plane, in, in the dream states, I believe you can, from my own experience. There are different reasons why one would find them. Is are there different reasons why one would find themselves sleepy in the, on the psychical plane or in dreams? I'm going to go to the top reason. There is one reason. Your body is about to die. Your psychical body is about to die. When we go through these different experiences on Earth, we drop the material body and continue our life on the psychical plane. After our time is up there. 
the psychical body just gets really sleepy and it just falls into this sweet slumber. And you, as a self-awareness, transition out of it into the, to live fully in the noetical body. Because while we're on the earth, we're in the psychical body, we're in the noetical body. When the material body dies, we're in the psychical planes, we're still in the noetical body. But when the psychical body dies, it's pleasing, it's not a negative thing. You, as a self-awareness, transfer, transfer to reside fully only in the noetical body. And the psychical body is absorbed. So, um, I've had experiences where I've fallen asleep in the psychical plane and gone to the noetical and kind of come back and you kind of wake up in the psychical. So there is that element too. And of course you could just be imagining all this in your shell. So we have to be very discerning because it could be a lot of different things. Let's see what's the rest of it here. It's a Saint Dante's question. This one. I know. Mm -hmm. I just want to read the rest of what he says. To clarify, Daniel had mentioned sleepiness in the psychical plane being due to discontentment here on Earth, but is it sometimes due to an underdeveloped consciousness? There's an interesting dichotomy between discontentment and acceptance. Making big changes in life due to discontentment versus accepting circumstances because perhaps they've been assigned to us by the laws of karma. Well, that's a big deal. That's a big one right there. And that's where the prayer comes. Uh, God, help me change the things I can and help me accept the things I can't change. We're always having to discern this because some things you can't have any effect on for whatever reasons. There can be a lot of different reasons. But there are some things we can and should change. So, um, I don't see that as having anything to do with the sleepiness. Um, but discontentment, you know, most people change for the better because of some discontentment. Not many people say, oh, wow, I think I'll change because that's a good thing to do. Usually people are having trouble and they want to get out of that trouble to change. And so they'll come and seek spirituality or they'll try different meditations or whatever. They try different things. So discontentment, we don't like it, but it does have the potential to lead us to someplace better. Okay. Mm. Yes. As he mentions a little bit, um, the law of cause and effect, basically, we experience something mostly hard, painful experience and overcome and pay off in this dimension. This is the way how it happens in this dimension, mostly. But as Daniel says, for example, not only sleeping time, sleeping, in, during the sleeping, we go to the psychonoetical world, right? In the shell of mostly, in the shell of the psychonoetical world, right? But when we work on the exercise, we also create some image improve ourselves in the psychonoetical world, right? So, which means uh, to a certain level, when we can uh, work on this kind of uh, law of cause and effect uh, to make it better, to change our frequency. For example, when we uh, do the introspection exercise, we create a better self-image in the visualization, in the exercise. The, the moment when we create a better 
image of ourselves, then our vibration changes, which means, in a sense, we are we can change the the pay, in other words, the pay, the law of karma. Mm. And mostly and basically, it happens reap whatever we sold uh, in this dimension. But the exercise uh, creates something and creates something in our psychological world is so effective to change our vibration. Yes. And mm -hmm. what else? That's fine. Okay. Well, we went extra long today, but we really appreciate your good questions. These re reveal a lot about the teachings. We can mm. learn so much about how the teachings work from these practical um, questions. So keep them coming. We enjoy and uh, appreciate this opportunity to share the time with you to work on the teaching. Thank you very much. Many God blessings. Bless you. See you next month. See you next month.